Hello. The practice of twinning between towns and cities is both universal and quite ancient. The earliest recorded twinning in Europe was between Paderborn, Germany and Le Mans, France in the year 836. Closer to home, Keithley in West Yorkshire established an arrangement with French communities in Suisney and Puto in 1905. Originally intended to promote cultural and commercial ties, the practice flourished after the Second World War as a way to also promote mutual understanding. Coventry, for example, was twinned with Stalingrad and later with Dresden as an act of peace and reconciliation, all three cities, of course, having been heavily bombed during the war. So, twin towns are ubiquitous. Close to the area of my birth, Beaudley is twinned with Fort Mahon Plage in France, whilst in the area where I'm now domiciled, Hayonwai is twinned with of all places, Timbuktu in West Africa. Twinning is a tangible and instantly recognisable form of connection, but there are other ties that bind in less obvious contexts, and although they may be so subtle as to pass by largely unnoticed, they are nevertheless there and in some evidential strength to boot. In describing some examples, they also serve to illustrate how the assuredness of our convictions may be called seriously into question by the irrefutability of events we otherwise simply cannot explain. On the afternoon of the 30th of June 1921, a man was driving through the countryside when he made a remarkable observation that was to have echoes around the globe. His name was Alfred Watkins, and when he looked at the Ordnance Survey map on his travels through Blackwoodine in Herefordshire, just a few miles from where I'm sitting in the barn right now, he was astonished by what sprang off the page. A series of notable landmarks, hilltops, an old lane, some historic encampments, all lay in a perfect straight line extending over several miles of otherwise quite unremarkable landscape. Probing further and taking to higher ground for a better view, he saw that this Blackwoodine line was not isolated, but part of a network that stood out, as he put it, like glowing wires all over the surface of the country. Watkins devoted his life to studying these routes, which he insisted were not merely a superimposition on the landscape, but were in fact lines of communication and travel that had been identified and used by our primal forebears long before the days of roads, signage, maps or any of the navigational paraphernalia we nowadays take for granted. He called them ley lines and described them, and I quote, as a truth that had lain in plain sight all along if only one knew how to look. His seminal book, The Old Straight Track, first published in 1925, spawned countless theories, and the term ley line has since been subsumed to include dowsing, crystal swinging, telluric lines of force, much more. All the far cry from Watkins' original premise, but nonetheless part of the burgeoning movement of earth mysteries, any student of which would eventually find their way back to Watkins. In the interest of balance, I should add that from the more sceptical end of the spectrum, Watkins has attracted much criticism and even ridicule, and there are those who refuse to accept his hypotheses as anything more than unverifiable hogwash. One critic went as far as debunking Watkins by dint of ley lines denoted by the alignment of red telephone boxes, but I'm minded to think this is more an example of scudless attempts to discredit the man, rather than objectively disavowing his observations. But let us leave Watkins, who died in 1935, in our wake as we fast forward several decades to a frosty New Year's Eve shortly before I've moved Waleswards and a convivial gathering of neighbours around a glowing fire 
in an anonymous King Swinford lounge. For some reason I can't recall amongst the wine and mince pies, the subject of our merriment turned to the suggestion of a line of force through our host's lounge, which he then gleefully demonstrated by holding a couple of pieces of wire coat hanger parallel between his thumb and forefinger on each hand and walking across the room. Halfway along, woo, the wires turned to face each other. To ripples of mirth, he repeated the exercise several times as it happened, all with the same result. Amidst mocking laughter and allegations of, you're doing that on purpose, he gave me the wires, instructed me how to hold them, and sent me on my way across his lounge. To everyone's amusement, but to my utter astonishment, the wires crossed. I had made no effort, applied no force, engaged in no trickery, those wires crossed. The evening concluded as we wended our way back to our respective homes. But for me, raised with the scientific discipline that steers me instinctively towards everything having a rational explanation, I was baffled, disturbed even, and could not fathom that experience. Despite what I felt was my education, my predisposition, dare I say my intellect, I simply couldn't rationalise it. So, up in the morning, in an earliness that uh, minimised the likelihood of anyone seeing me, and armed with my own two pieces of wire, I traced that line across the fields opposite my home, through the direction of my neighbour's lads that I'd been in just a few hours earlier, and across diverse properties beyond, until I could go no further without fracturing the laws on trespass, which was quite a distance. I've since reflected on this many times, and suffice to say this one experience served to call into question my own confidence in the, let's call it the unwritten theory of everything, in which our uh, daily empirical observations are ultimately underpinned by the unimpeachable logic of reason, that same reason being atop a pyramid of shifting sand which is then whisked from beneath us. Now I can, I think, be forgiven for not revealing exactly where all this occurred, lest my unfortunate former neighbours are inundated by wire-wielding devotees. But no matter, for I subsequently traced numerous similar lines around the area, and all extending for several hundred yards and beyond before I ran out of room to manoeuvre. Well, go out with your own coat hangers and see for yourself. Those lines are there. Now, the sombre observations of Alfred Watkins of the 1920s may be far removed from the light-hearted, festive experiences of yours truly and his neighbours almost a century later. But in the interim... A worldwide movement has blossomed in seeking to explain such earth mysteries. The Black Country alone has several such groups, the scope of which seems to extend by the ear as more mysteries are revealed and, commensurately, more become unexplained. Many towns and cities in the Black Country and surrounding area are twinned. By way of a small selection, Dudley is twinned with both Fort William in Scotland and Bremen in Germany, Wolverhampton with Buffalo in New York and Starbridge with the nearly but not quite the same named Sturbridge in Massachusetts. Even the diminutive Treesland Seasden just outside Wolverhampton can boast links with Condé Saint-Libier in France. But what if those twinning criteria were extended to more nebulous and as yet unexplained comparators as identified and promulgated by Alfred Watkins and his successors ever since? The very notion of perplexing tracks and abstruse pathways around the black country being part of a wider, all-encompassing network that was both recognised and used by the ancients in a way that defies our contemporary understanding, does indeed open intriguing avenues of conjecture as to how, in some enigmatic way, we may ultimately all be twinned. For my part, 
I'm of open mind as to that which Watkins found in Herefordshire. But as for those wire coat hangers in King Swinford, well, for me that will remain beyond debate. They definitely did move. And I'm still none the wiser as to how. Enjoy your black country, and do join me again soon for more tales from the barn.